a big key here is it's great to have time set aside to be able to do focused work, Mm -hmm. but determining what you're going to, deciding what you're going to work on before you have that time, right? the day before or whatever, is really important so that your mind isn't bogged down with trying to decide in the moment what's the most important thing. Mm Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Mm-hmm. As of this recording, we just got back from our sabbatical week. Mm-hmm. And normally, uh, we would actually be recording this before we take the sabbatical week with it releasing after we take the sabbatical week. So we'd have to do some really confusing thing where we talk about the sabbatical as if it had already happened when in fact it didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If that was confusing for anybody, I apologize. Um, But what happened was when we recorded this originally, this episode, uh, for some reason the recording was corrupted. The files did not work. And it was was a really great episode, Mm -hmm. um, but but it didn't work out. So we are now re-recording it after the sabbatical. Yeah. It's still going out on time. Right. But... Uh, this is this is round two. Mm-hmm. So, see if we can make it better. Yeah. So when we when we record these, we usually do this. We we stream it live to the community members of the Sean West Network. We're not doing that this time, but we did still have some great conversation from the previous episode. Some great questions to bring in. So we're going to do that. Yeah. All right. But the sabbatical was fantastic. It was. We went up to your parents' house and we spent, we spent the first part of the week just hanging out here at home and taking care of some stuff around the house. I went into the recording studio for a couple of days. I worked on some songs. Mm-hmm. And then about midweek, we took a drive out into the country and got to spend the rest of the week with your parents. And it was just very relaxing. Yeah, we saw some of my old childhood places, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We saw some old houses where you grew up. We went to some railroad tracks Yeah, where you and your cousins used to play. We let the boys run around on them. We never did find out if those tracks were were still operational. No, they are. What were we doing? What do you mean? Well, wasn't that dangerous then? No, there aren't, it's, they're not like super operational. Like it, it's only, they're not used nearly as much as they were when I was a kid. Oh, okay. They're, they're so. just still used occasionally. So when, when you were a kid, that was when it was really dangerous. Yeah. I mean, we probably had five or six trains a day come through. Did you ever have any close calls? No. No. No, we would, I mean, we mostly play my my mom didn't want us to play on the track so we mostly played in the big piles of coal oh, okay <laughs> or the rock or whatever it is i don't know you'd slide down get we your would slide down and get our dirty. bottoms dirty and then when my mom asked us if we did it we were like no 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 <laughs> as if she couldn't see that our pants were <laughs> yeah exactly 
And then after that, we went and visited your old junior high, which um, the building is has been abandoned for, it looks like, several years. Yeah, I don't know when it closed down. But we were kind of, it's all it's all closed off. And so we were kind of peeking in the windows and mm-hmm. just overgrown with weeds and stuff like Like there are flowers growing up through the concrete. Yeah, it was weird. But there was one place where somebody had like pried it open and you could get into the school. Mm-hmm. And so I, I told you to stay out with all of the boys and I was going to take the camera with me and kind of go and investigate. Mm-hmm. And I got about three steps in and I started just, it, it freaked me out. It, it's pretty creepy. It was dark. It smelled bad. It's like super old too. Like it's yeah. a very historical building and yeah. So, and, and it, I'm not a very superstitious person, mm-hmm. but I just, I couldn't help but feel like something bad was waiting for me. <laughs> That's awful. I I mean, I would have gone in, but I had the wrong shoes on. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Well, today we are talking about unlocking the power of focused productivity at home. And I actually, I I wanted to do this episode because I was inspired one night. We were sitting down uh, on our bed and looking at some whiteboards where we do some brainstorming from time to time. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to just write down all of the writing projects that you have going on. Mm-hmm. And so you'd written all of them down um, for the next several years. And you wrote down. It was down, for the next two years. Or for yeah. the next, yeah, for the mm-hmm. next two years. You wrote down all of the stuff that you were doing this year and finishing up. Mm-hmm. And as you were sitting there kind of walking me through everything, I was just looking at it in awe. Like, wow, this is this is so much. Mm-hmm. And especially when I think about the limited amount of time you have. And so I, I was so inspired by that. I, I actually, I went straight into the, the community chat and I wrote a little something about focus. I'm not going to, I might, I might see if we put it in the show notes. We'll yeah. see. But, but I ended up writing something about focus and just how valuable it is. You know, I think we underestimate how big of an asset focus is mm-hmm. to the work that we're doing. You know, we could, we could be very hard workers. We could be very skilled and, and very good at what we do. But if we lack focus, we're not able to accomplish nearly as much. The, the work that we're doing is not as meaningful. Mm-hmm. And especially for those of us who have constraints on our times and and outside responsibilities that we're dealing with focus is so precious and it it really is um some days the difference between moving the needle and and not making any progress toward our goals Mm -hmm. so so i thought that focus would be a great thing to talk about i wanted to spend the first part of the episode talking about just some general best practices for maintaining focus Mm -hmm or for achieving focus. And then I wanted to go into some more practical stuff when it comes to trying to get focused, working from home in, in the, you know, in that unique environment, how do you achieve focus? Mm-hmm. So you ready to dive into this one? Sure. All right. So, and, and I want to, I, I do want to say this, I, I'll, I'll kind of 
say a little bit of what I shared in the chat when I wrote about focus, but I know that you're, because of your personality, you're an INFJ, mm-hmm. correct? So that, that personality type tends to lean more toward being focused and not being as distracted by outside things. I'm an ENFJ. And so I'm, you know, I'm one, I'm very outgoing, mm-hmm. but two, I'm very emotionally driven. And I get, I suppose that's also true for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I tend to, I, I, it's almost like my personality tends to look for distractions. Right. But if I'm not careful, I can believe that, oh, that's just not, focus is just not something that comes as easily to me. So, you know, like I, I, I should just accept that mm-hmm. when really focus is, though it does come easier for some than others, I kind of, I think of it like any other skill uh, or talent, I guess it would be the better word. Some people are born with a, a higher baseline talent for a particular thing, whether it's playing an instrument or uh, drawing, singing, whatever it is. Right. Their, their baseline talent is higher. Um, but it's those who practice, who work, who put in the time and the effort mm-hmm. um, who end up trumping those with natural talent. Natural talent can give you a head start but it's the work that really gives you the edge. And so I I feel that way about focus. You may be somebody who has a natural talent for being focused in your work, or you may be somebody who feels like it comes, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to have focus in your work. And don't let that be the thing that determines whether or not you believe you can achieve great focus. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really just putting into practice uh, daily focusing and, and building that muscle that will get you to the kind of focus that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So the first practice that I want to talk about is actually one of my favorites and that's batching like work. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you do quite often with your writing. Yeah. I mean, I try to, whenever I'm writing, I try to write on the same things in a certain amount of time. So like I'll set my timer for an hour and a half and I'll write all of the blogs for the week. Yeah. Uh, And that way, because it's nonfiction, that way I'm not, you know, shifting gears between fiction and nonfiction, which, you know, might not seem like a huge difference, but it really is. And so I I try to just batch all of those things together to where I'm using that time most wisely. And I also do that with like business sessions. I'll batch a a couple of business sessions together where I'm working on things like newsletters or something that, you know, that, that takes a certain side of the brain that doesn't feel like it's the same side as what, what it is when I'm creating from, you know, yeah. other worlds or whatever. And not having, not having to shift gears is the, is the huge right. key there mm-hmm. because anytime you have to switch the way that you're engaging your work, mm-hmm. it, it takes away from your ability to focus just even if it's for a small amount of time that adds up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in your, in your work week, you've got these several different tasks. Maybe you're putting together proposals for potential clients. Maybe you're returning emails. Maybe you're sending out invoices. Maybe, you know, you're doing all of these different things. And if you're kind of sprinkling all of those different activities between other major tasks like working on a project, mm-hmm. doing 
if if you're someone who does design and development, you know, like you you switch back and forth between doing a design portion of the task and develop and and thinking about just constantly switching from one mode to the other just sounds exhausting, first mm-hmm. of all. But but two, it just it, I, I feel like there's there's such a lack of focus when you have to do that. And so as much as you can those things that are similar, even if they're for different clients or projects, those things that are similar, you know, put those together and, and then your head gets to stay in the same mode as you're working through all of those. Yeah. I just had a picture in my mind. This might seem a little silly. It might be because we went and visited my own, my old junior high, but we used to run these things called horses where we would, um, we would start at the baseline and then we would go to every other line in the gym floor and go back to the baseline like it was this excruciating thing on and a every horse? no it was we were just running as fast as we could oh why did they call it a horse i don't really know why they call it a horse but um but every time you hit a line you have to slow down a little bit before you get there you know so you slow down a little bit and you change directions and then you're mm. you're trying to gain momentum again as, and go as fast as you can. And then you're coming up on another line. So you have to slow down and change direction, you know? And that's kind of how I, I think of when we try to shift gears in so many different places. Yeah. That's so, that's such a great way to think about it because if you take the total distance that you're running mm-hmm. and you were to time a person who's having to run back and forth right. versus a person who gets to just run the entire distance in a straight line, mm-hmm. the person who gets to run it in a straight line is going to get there faster. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really, that's a great metaphor. Yeah. I was really good at the horses too, but. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I challenge you to a race. <laughs> so you mentioned that you set a timer for yourself and that's actually uh, the next one here on my list. Mm-hmm. And the power of setting the timer is really, it, it's, it does kind of opposite things, I guess it makes you, it takes your mind off of the amount of time that you're spending on something, Mm -hmm. but then it also kind of makes you aware of the impending, you know, beep of the timer finishing Mm -hmm. and knowing that that's coming. And so in some ways it, it sets your mind free from having to think about that. And then other ways it becomes this challenge to okay, how quickly can we work through this mm-hmm. stuff? And not not to the effect that you do sloppy work necessarily. Yeah. Um, but especially for those things that are kind of mundane that, you you know, every every job has something that's kind of tedious. Yeah. But it becomes a challenge, like how quickly can we work through these things? How efficiently can we work through these things? So that's one of the reasons I really like the timer. and. I can't remember where I heard this, but there's a study that said that an hour and a half of focused work for, for someone who truly focuses, doesn't allow themselves to get distracted. They get into flow and they work for the full hour and a half. Mm -hmm. That's the equivalent to the amount of work that the average person uh, gets done in an eight hour workday. That's crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. So, I mean, if you, do you think that's true? I remember working in nine to five and I would say that that's probably pretty accurate. I got about, I probably got a good hour and a half work worth of real work done. Yeah. Hmm. 
I mean, you know, because there are meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But an hour and a half can be a long time to sit down and focus on one thing. It may, that may be something that you have to build up to. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people swear by a 25 minute timer. They call it the Pomodoro technique. And I'm, I don't know if the, if it is a time specific thing, but if you go to tomato-timer.com, um, you can set a timer for 25 minutes and just have 25 minutes of focus time. Jeez, I feel like that would annoy me. Well, because you you go for those longer stretches. Yeah, I go for like three hours. The idea behind the pom- uh, Pomodoro mm-hmm. technique is that you spend 25 minutes f- just doing focused work, and then you have a five-minute break. Yeah. And then you dive in and do, and so it's basically in 30-minute chunks. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to uh, my next practice, which is taking breaks. Yeah, I'm not good at that one. No. <laughs> well, and I can see you, you are a very disciplined person. Yeah. And where I usually go when I think about breaks is the fact that when I, when I reach uh, a place of resistance, when I start to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, I, I start looking for distractions and I will see myself gravitating toward, you know, checking my Facebook or checking my Twitter feed. And if I have a break, if I know that I've got a break coming, Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to say no to those things because I know that there's a time and a place where I can, you know, check those things. And it, it helps me feel like I've got a little bit more endurance. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, I think that there's also more going on there. When, when you take a break, whether you're checking social media or you're just sitting in your chair staring at your screen or whatever it is you, you're going to do for your break, when you take a break, it allows your brain to kind of breathe and recuperate a little bit. And I think what that does over time is it actually improves the quality and the effectiveness of the work you're doing when you're focused. And if you're not in the practice of taking a break, but you are a very highly disciplined person, it can seem like you're getting a lot of great work done. And you probably are, but you don't know what you're missing out on mm-hmm. if you're not taking breaks. You don't know how much better your work could be. And so I, to that, I just say it's worth exploring. Yeah. It's, it's worth taking a week and saying, okay, this week... I'm going to schedule in breaks as much as that makes me cringe because I know that each of those little five minute breaks I could do something with. Yeah. But at the end of the week, I'm going to measure and, you know, maybe give it a couple of weeks because you might need some time to acclimate to that. Yeah. But measure your, measure your productivity, measure the results. Yeah. And let the results be the thing that helps you decide whether or not that's something that you should do for yourself. I don't know, Ben. We'll see. No, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just try it out. Yeah. Okay, so then this one is huge. Schedule tasks before your day begins. Like the night before. Mm-hmm. At the very least. Something that I've been in the practice of doing is uh, on Sundays, I will actually sit down with my entire task list 
and I have my week scheduled out into, into blocks. And I will take each of those tasks and I will, I will assign them to different time blocks throughout my week. Mm-hmm. And, and at the very least, sometimes I'm na- not able to do the entire week, but at the very least, I can get Monday and Tuesday done. Mm-hmm. And waking up Monday morning and already having my day planned out is kind of a, it's a gift. Yeah. You know, think about what it's like to wake up and to know you've got a list of things to do and, and to know that before you can get started on anything, you actually have to decide what is the most important thing to get started on. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have that already done. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a gift that you're giving to your future self. Mm Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a really important thing to do. But but because you're not having to spend any mental energy on deciding what to get started on, it's a lot easier to dive in and actually get started on that work. You can reach flow a lot sooner and you can be more focused that way. There's also research that suggests that um, when we make our to-do list the night before, our subconscious is working on it the entire time we're sleeping. And so if we put something like um, design that logo for whoever, and that's on our to-do list the night before, our subconscious is working on that as we sleep. Yeah. Which is kind of a, I mean, I feel like that's a really neat thing. Yeah, it is really neat. And it's kind of, that's also, I've really been in love lately with this idea of giving gifts to your future self. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Making making decisions in the present that are going to benefit your future self, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's that's one of the ones that we don't think about often is how our mind is able to work on and sometimes solve problems that we didn't know were there, prepare us mentally mm-hmm. um, to work on something when when we've given ourselves the proper space mm-hmm. instead of just diving in and feeling like we have to improvise. I can take take care of a lot of stress that way too. So so I talked about how, you know, I, I will meet resistance sometimes. And and sometimes it has to do with a place where I haven't quite learned everything that I need to know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because it's something very tedious. And I just um I don't want to have to sit there and do whatever it is over and over again. Sometimes it's something where I have to wait for something to load or render or, you know, and, and I've got several of those in a row. And Mm so, so my tendency is, oh, when that starts to, when that progress bar shows up, I check out and I go do something else. Well, what ends up happening is I miss when the progress bar is done (laughs) and I come back Even if it's a minute later, that's a minute lost. Mm -hmm. You know, when I could have been right on top of the next thing. Uh, So one of the things that you can do for yourself is you can identify where you have a tendency to get stuck, where you have a tendency to start to feel like you're you're dragging a little bit in your work, where, where you have a tendency to lose focus. And prepare for those things. You know, ahead of time, this is, again, going back to the gifting your future self ahead of time, anticipate those things and come up with a plan for how you're going to deal with them when you reach that moment. 
One of the things I like to do is sometimes my computer takes, I work on a laptop and so sometimes it takes a while to boot up and I'll just, I'll have like a writing book in my hand where I'm, you know, I'm constantly learning new things. And so as I'm waiting for it to boot up, I just, I'm learning. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It would be, yeah, it's so much more valuable to do that than to do what I usually do, which is <laughs> play on Facebook. Or... Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have a schedule already, this is something I highly recommend. I know, I know it's, it's one of those things that most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people say they do, but they don't really. As much as you can, get a regular schedule going for yourself. And if you find that you have things that you don't normally schedule because uh, because it seems silly to put them on a schedule, mm-hmm. put those things on a schedule too. The, the fewer things that your brain has to think about to manage on, on any timeline, the more your brain is able to focus on the work that you're doing. And so if your brain is not having to think about when am I going to take care of that administrative stuff that I didn't put on a schedule? Mm-hmm. If your brain's not having to think about that, it has more capacity to, to assist you when you're doing your creative work mm-hmm. to help you stay focused. Now, another thing that we can do is make time for focused work. And what I want to focus on specifically is the early morning time. Whether, whether you're a morning person or not, um, and, and I'll, I'll admit that I'm not a morning person, <laughs> what I found is that working early in the morning, I'm able to focus more and I'm able to accomplish more because that's a, it's just a much quieter part of the day. It's before the kids wake up. Um, it's before people have sent me messages or emails or anything like that. You know, the, the rest of the world is still sleeping or getting ready and I'm already working on things. And when I got into that habit of doing that, I just, I fell in love with that so much that now when I don't get to do that and I end up uh, working later in the day or at night, it's, it, it just has such a different feeling and I don't feel like I can focus as much and my brain is preoccupied with everything that happened that day. And, and so this is another one of those things that I encourage you to test out. It might mean going to bed earlier so that you can wake up earlier, uh, you know, changing your routine up a little bit. Um, but test it out, you know, see, try that for a few weeks and see what changes in your productivity. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, it was, it has been a huge difference between what I'm able to accomplish. I feel like when we have kids too, it's, uh, it's important for me as a mom to get up before the kids and just have a little bit of time to myself. And the first thing I usually do is, uh, write in a journal, but then there's some reading and just some, you know, some quiet time to be had before kids get up. And it's like super crazy trying to get everybody to school and all of that. And, uh, if I didn't have that time, I feel like I would start the whole day off on the wrong foot. That's a great point because when you, when you get up first thing in the morning, even if you're not getting into your work right away, Mm -hmm. um, some of the most valuable 
ways that you can spend your time are on things that help you to feel more relaxed mm-hmm. and, and help you to get rid of stress. And so doing things like writing and maybe some meditation, exercise, things, things that uh, help you to be a more healthy person are going to indirectly help you to be more focused when it comes time to do your work. Mm-hmm. So even if, even if you're not using those early hours to get work done, it can still be hugely beneficial spending that time on yourself and, and just getting yourself ready. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to, I want to go ahead and shift this over to how we can make this practical for working at home because the home is a very different environment um, than the traditional working environment. And even for me, when I started working for myself, I would kind of split my time between working at home and going out to a coffee shop or something like that. And what I found more and more is that, you know, the, I, I wanted to work from home. I kind of needed to work from home because I've got a, a better machine at home now that's able to accomplish more for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, but it also makes me more available to other things that are going on. If I need to take a break from my work and take care of something with the school. And, and I, I like having the ability to do that, you know, so working from home is kind of half necessary and halfway a choice. Mm-hmm. But along with that, you know, there are all of, all of these uh, factors that come into play that can take away from your focus. And so we want to talk about a, a few of those. So when, when working from home, one of the best things you can do is to designate specific, a specific place or places in your home where you're going to work and be consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that's easy because there is actually, you know, in your home, an office space. And so you can set that aside. Um, but if you are in a home where there's not a room that's designated as an office, like we don't have an actual office mm-hmm. per se. We've got an offshoot of our bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so this has kind of become our makeshift office, but it really is, it's one of the quietest places in the house. And, and so that it works really well. And so this is where I do most of my work. And the importance of doing this consistently in a single space is that when you go to that place, that physical location, and that's where you work and you know that that's where, that's where you do your work, your, your body is actually going to prepare you for that. Mm-hmm. Your, your mind recognizes the environment and says, oh, okay, we're, we're in this place again. That means we're going to work. And this is actually one of the reasons why they say that your office should not be in your bedroom. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about that a lot. Yeah. So we, we may have to work on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Also, now this is, this is the thing that you just can't get around. You can't have the possibility of interruption. Mm-hmm. Which is hard when you're a parent. Yeah. And, and what, that, what it means really is if you want to truly do focused work, you can't be responsible for the kids. Mm-hmm. You can't be thinking about what they are doing or what they may or may not be getting into. 
whether or not they're taking care of their responsibilities, anything like that, you need to be able to completely focus on your work, which means somebody else needs to be responsible for the kids. Mm -hmm. And that can be really difficult. Um, even when you have somebody who's responsible for the kids, you know, just because you're home, you'll feel more of a, a pull toward intervening if something goes wrong or, or being attentive if it seems like your spouse or whoever's taking care of your kids might need help. And so you've, you've got to kind of fight that tendency, but also because that exists, there are some other things, and, and we'll talk about that here in a few moments, there are some other things that you can do to kind of pad yourself from that. Mm -hmm. But you should always have a list of light work ready to go in case you have to be pulled out of focus for a time. If there's anything else on your list that you can do while you're responsible for the kids, while you're watching or monitoring, or at least, you know, just kind of in the same room while they're doing other things, mm -hmm. um, have that ready to go so that you have something that you can jump into that doesn't necessarily require all of your focus, but helps you make progress. So going on to patting yourself from those distractions, the first place you've got to, to do this is with whoever's taking care of your children, whether it's your spouse or another caretaker, but you, everybody needs to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so this might mean that you need to sit down and actually have a meeting and establish boundaries and set expectations. And, and for us, this was something that we, once we both decided we were going to be working from home and splitting our time between the kids, um, we had to, we had to sit down and say, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to be doing focused work and I can't have any distractions, you know, and we set some rules about how that was going to work. Mm -hmm. We've still got, we get a little lax every now and then about like barging in. <laughs> yeah. So we have to constantly revisit that. Yeah. So it's, it's not necessarily just a one-time thing. You, mm -hmm. you want to continue to you know, check back and make sure that everybody is on the same page. But the, but the, the people who are the person who is in charge of your kids in the home environment or, or any other thing, you know, maybe, maybe people are going to be delivering packages or you've got visitors uh, who come over, clients who come over, whatever that is, the person who is responsible for the home while you're focusing on your work needs to understand your expectations and know how to protect you from those distractions. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that if you communicate that and you communicate that regularly. Another thing you can do is to use headphones. This is something that you really like to do. Yeah, it kind of blocks out the noise. It's hard for me when I can hear the kids either, well, especially the baby uh, crying downstairs. Yeah. Uh, there's just something about it that pulls at my heart and I, I, I just get really distracted. And so I try to, I try to always wear headphones when I'm trying to do my focused work Yeah, because then I don't have to hear the noise of people needing things and me not feeling like I need to be responsible for that. Yeah. And, and I know that that's really difficult for you. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I don't have as difficult of a time 
with that. And so I don't tend to put my headphones as much as I'll just blast music. Yeah. <laughs> up here. Sometimes though, you know, like I'll, if I'm editing videos and stuff, I have my headphones on anyway and I just yeah. I get lost in that world. Yeah. But that can be a really great way to, to get rid of the external noise. And you also have to trust that if you're truly needed, that somebody will be able to break through that and get to you. Yeah. You know, so you, you just, you have to be able to, you have to give yourself permission to let the outside world fade away mm -hmm. because that's how you're going to get your most focused work done. It's not easy either. And it's sort of something that takes practice. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things for me when it's my shift with the kids and you're the one working is that you know how you get all of your great ideas when you're doing mundane things? Yes. I get really good ideas when I'm just like rinsing off the breakfast dishes and putting them in the dishwasher. And I always want to tell you about them right this minute. And because you're home, it's like, oh, I could, you know? Oh, yeah. But you're working. And so it's really hard to uh, to suppress that urge. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes I just interrupt, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is not good. Well, and maybe maybe I need to be more clear on my expectations about that. <laughs> and and it it doesn't necessarily have to look like, you know, every time you're working, that's your focus time. Maybe there are times when you're working when it's okay for those kind of distractions to come through. Yeah. But you need to you need to determine what those are going to be. Mhm. Mm Another thing you can do is is to experiment with your schedule. So Think of your schedule like kind of a, a Tetris puzzle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you really count that as a puzzle. Oh, I do. Mm -hmm. But depending on the kind of pieces that you have and the shapes that you're dealing with, there could be any number of ways to assemble those to make things fit the way that they're supposed to so that you can maximize your focus, so that you can have the most un un uninterrupted time as possible. Mm -hmm. And so especially with kids and the different seasons they go through and how quickly those things can change, you might find yourself from one month to the next in a completely different set of circumstances with different time constraints. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to be flexible and willing to experiment and try different things out and to say, okay, this, this is going to work for this, for the next three weeks, but then everything's going to change and I need to be um, agile enough to adjust to that. Mm -hmm. And the encouraging thing is the more you practice doing that, the easier it is to figure out how those puzzle pieces fit together in a new configure, uh, configuration. And then this is, this is actually a, a mindset thing, uh, which is that quantity can be deceiving. A lot of people feel like if they don't have, you know, four or six or eight hours of uninterrupted work time, they can't really make meaningful progress toward their goals. Hmm. You know, we talked about how an hour and a half of truly focused work can be the equivalent of an eight-hour workday. Mm -hmm. And so what that, what that says to me is it's the quality of the time that you have that is really more important than the quantity of the time. And one of the things that I've discovered being a parent, having the time constraint that comes with the responsibilities of 
of raising kids and running a household. With the time that I do have, I, I'm kind of forced to treat that more reverently, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be more focused. And I'm not always as focused as I would like to be, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely more focused than I might be if I had a full eight hours because then it's like, oh, I've got eight hours. Yeah, you know? it's like you have all this time. And and so it, it, the, the more time constraints you have, maybe the more you appreciate that time. And, and But whatever your situation is, you know, let's maybe you've got 30 minutes a day because you've got a day job and you're raising your kids and you're trying to take care of the household stuff. And after all of that, you've got maybe 30 minutes a day that you can actually spend on building a side business or pursuing your passion. Mm-hmm. Well, don't look at that 30 minutes and, and say, well, that's not very much time. So I may as well not expect to be able to accomplish much. You know, look at that 30 minutes and say, I'm going to make the most of that 30 minutes that I possibly can. Right. I'm going to achieve as much focus as I possibly can so that 30 minutes can truly be meaningful. And then what you'll find is as you practice that, that scales. So, you know, in the future, as your circumstances change or as your time grows, the, the practice of focus scales with that. And you'll, you'll find that you'll be able to continue to have that level of focus during longer hours mm-hmm. and, and keep that time as meaningful as possible. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get into a few questions before we close the episode. Okay. This one was from Aya in the chat. She said, how can we organize work that involves unpredictable tasks and false starts? For example, getting phone calls throughout the day. Hmm. I, I used to work in uh, journalism. I was a managing editor for a while. And this was one of the things that would sort of be annoying to me because I had, I had my plan for the day. And then, you know, as a, as a reporter, I would always be waiting on calls to come back in. And it always felt really, really hard to focus on writing a story and then be interrupted by a phone call. Yeah. And so what I did for myself at that time is I I set these parameters. So I whenever I would call people, I would say, I will be available between the hours of whatever and whatever. And yeah. so I'd have this window of time where they could call me back or, you know, I would try to call them again or whatever. And then the rest of that time was spent in either editing stories or writing stories or designing the paper or whatever needed to be done. Yeah. Well, and, and with technology where it is today, now it's, it's good and bad. People can get a hold of you mm-hmm. in so many different ways at so many different times. And each, each medium or each contact method has its own set of rules. You know, like it, it, it's inappropriate to call somebody in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. but sending them an email in the middle of the night may be okay. Yeah. You know, and, and and so, you know, in, in a world where you can be contacted in so many different ways at any time, you don't really have any control over when people decide to get in touch with you. Right. But you don't um, necessarily have to answer the call. Right. Or answer the email. Right. So, 
you can communicate your expectations. Mm-hmm. You can't control what they do with those, but we, what you can control, what you do have a lot of control over is whether or not you're aware of that contact. Mm-hmm. So you could, you could turn notifications off on your phone, mm-hmm. set your phone to silent, put it in another room or another space. You can shut off your email notifications. There, you can turn all of that stuff off. You, you don't have to be aware of that. You don't have to return somebody's message right away. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that it, it actually gives you more credibility and uh, more authority when you're the one who's in charge of that communication process. Mm-hmm. And so, so if you do that, if you turn off your notifications at the times when you want to focus and then schedule the times when you're going to communicate with people and say from this hour to this hour every day is when I turn all my notifications back on and I can see what emails have come in and I can respond to them. I can see what calls have come in and I can call them back. You know, I can take care of all that stuff then and then I'm going to shut it all off again. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the great things about where technology is today is that you have the ability to do all of that. And that does take some work, but the focus that you get from doing that is more than worth it. Mm -hmm. And then this was a comment from Kate in the chat. She said, I think I just have so many things that I want to get done that will all take quite some time to complete. And when I get stuck, I just want to skip to the next thing. That happens a lot. Also, I just don't have a whole lot of free time. My situation's a bit different as I work a day job. I luckily get a bit of free time where I can do my own thing. So I go back and forth from work, from uh, my day job work uh, and my own work. Probably not the best situation to work in, but I also don't want to waste my downtime at work. So yeah, if you've got a, a day job where there's some downtime, it's good to make use of that. Um, but it sounds like her situation is also a bit unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I might dig a little bit deeper with Kate and ask, okay, well, what in your day job, what kind of control do you have over the time that you spend on things there? You know, mm-hmm. could you could you set some parameters there and make that a little bit more predictable? Then you know what you're working with, then you can actually plan things. Or if not, at the very least, you know, choose tasks that it's okay that aren't focused tasks that it's okay to interrupt. Mm-hmm. But I also go back to the, the idea that it's not the quantity of time, but it's the quality of time. You know, mm-hmm. it also sounds like she is not, um, not having a whole lot of time left over to work on the thing she really wants to. But when, even if you have 15 minutes a day, having really focused uh, or having a lot of focus during that 15 minutes can help you make incremental progress toward reaching your goal Mm -hmm. and eventually also opens up more time. Um, The last thing I want to address, because it it sounds like she, uh, where she said, I just have so many things that I want to get done. Mm -hmm. And one of, one of the things that I have a really hard time accepting sometimes is this idea that you can't have multiple priorities. Yeah. You know, there's, I, I think I even heard uh, in an audiobook from uh, Essentialism, 
mm-hmm. so that the word priority was not pluralized until the early 20th century. Hmm. Because the idea was that it's just a single thing, like pr- a priority, there, there can only be one. Yeah. There can only be one most important thing that you're working on at any given time. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide what that is. If you're trying to focus on more than one thing, you lose focus. You're not able to accomplish as much. And so that's difficult, but you can actually accomplish, you can accomplish more faster when you're just focusing on one thing at a time. Hmm. Said by a man. <laughs> well, what, why don't you give your take? Well, there, there's research that shows that a man's brain is very different from a woman, woman's brain. Really? Mm-hmm. And a woman actually has the ability to multitask. But for a man, that is incomprehensible because your brain is not made to multitask. And so for me, I mean, I actually, I, I run three different platforms right now. And I know that the growth probably isn't as quick as it would be if I was only doing one of those, but I also feel like they're growing enough for me. You know what I mean? Well, so I, I agree with that. And, and I will say this, that you get to decide how many things you're going to focus on at once. Mm-hmm. And the consequence of that decision is the amount of growth that all of the things that you're doing are capable of achieving within a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and, and whether or not that's acceptable to you. But what I think is true for you is that you're able to produce a lot because you're focused on one thing, which is writing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So yes, you have different projects going on, but when you, when you set aside here, here's where, here's where I think Kate is in this example, where she says she has so many things that she wants to get done. They'll all take quite some time. And when she gets stuck, she just wants to skip to the next thing. And what it sounds like is she's actually not designating. She's not setting aside time specifically to focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So you can't write for four different projects at the same time. Like right. You can't keep skipping tabs and you, you have to lock your mind into that specific set of characters and that specific story and that specific genre. Mm-hmm. You have to lock your mind on that. And at least for that hour and a half, only focus on that story. Right. And the way that you allow yourself to do that is that you decide ahead of time you schedule ahead of time when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think that's a big key here is it's great to have time set aside to be able to do focused work, mm-hmm. but determining what you're going to, deciding what you're going to work on before you have that time, right? the day before or whatever, is really important so that your mind isn't bogged down with trying to decide in the moment what's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think that's more where I'm coming from when I okay, when I talk yeah. about focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. But yes, you women I, I will admit women seem to have 
<laughs> an easier time. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's a little bit of a curse too. I like only Yeah, being able that's to... true. That's true. It probably is. Yeah. All right. Well, that was good. I I feel like we covered a lot here. Yeah. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. Go to in the boat with Ben.com. You can check out all of our podcast episodes there. You can read extensive show notes. So if you're listening to any one of our episodes and uh, you like some of the stuff that we were talking about and you you want to go back and maybe there was something that really stood out to you, we keep what's basically a modified transcription of the entire episode, but formatted so that it's easy to find what you're looking for so that you can copy and paste stuff that's really that really stands out to you. So I highly encourage you to go check that out. Um, it's com- it's a it's a great and completely different experience from simply listening to the podcast. While you're there, you can also sign up for our email newsletter. We send out uh, once a week where we link to the show notes, um, and we also have a link to episode discussion for those of you who are in the community. Um, we'd love to talk a little bit more about that stuff with you there uh, in the forums and in the chat room. If you want to find Rachel, she's at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. And you can follow me on Snapchat at Ben Tolson. What's wrong, Rachel? Nothing. I think we should talk about Snapchat in the after show. Yeah. Does that sound like fun? Yeah, it does. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. So I recently started using Snapchat quite Mm -hmm. a bit and I had the app for a long time, but I was kind of hesitant about using it. Why were you hesitant? Well, I, I don't know if maybe not hesitant. I wasn't familiar with the user interface and it was kind of, I don't know, just, I was used to Twitter. I was used to Facebook. I felt like I knew people there, you know, and Hmm. Snapchat was not only kind of new to me, but it was new to a lot of other people that I'm on social media with, Mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't, I didn't really see anybody else there that I, you know, it's like you, you go to a new hangout or something like that. Yeah. And whatever kids do these days, but you go to a new place and you look around and when you don't see anybody, you know, there, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, it it may be a really cool place, mm-hmm. but what makes it cool is the people that you're hanging out with. Right. So for, I, I just, I left it alone for a long time. Kind of went back and forth 
between deleting it off of my phone and then putting it back on my phone. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I started using it because some of my other friends started using it. And so I could actually, you know, see them and interact with them. And, and the reason that I'm really committed to using it now is because it has the kind of attention that Twitter and Instagram and Facebook had a few years ago when they were really in their prime, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it makes sense. You start out with a social media platform and your, your goal in the beginning is to try to, is to allow people to have as much attention as possible. People like to interact with each other. They like, they like to know that when they share things, that those things are seen and mm -hmm. experienced by the people that they consider their friends, their social group. And so it's, it's in the best interest of a social media platform to, to make that experience as, as good as possible in the beginning. And then as their platform grows and becomes more popular, that, that platform has the ability to shift their model a little bit, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so like Facebook went to a model where they're using ads and sponsored posts. And, you know, we, we all know how much they're hiding stuff now. And, you know, their, their algorithms kind of filter things out based on people's preferences. And, and so it's, it's a lot more difficult to have the kind of, the kind of attention on Facebook that you used to have mm -hmm. even, even just a few years ago, but on Snapchat, that's where it is right now. You know, it's, it's in that place in its life cycle where there's just a ton of attention there now. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what's kind of exciting about it. Um, I also, I also like the platform. I like that it's video because I enjoy being in front of a camera yeah. I feel like I have a pretty decent natural delivery and, and I come across uh, pretty authentic in that medium. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I want people to have that experience. And also I, I like the idea of giving people kind of a peek into our daily lives. Now you and I have talked a little bit about some of the, the things that you liked and disliked about that. Mm -hmm. And so what I've decided is that um, I do want to give people a peek, but there are also things that I want to keep private. And, right. and so there's, there's kind of a cheapening of the experience when you're just sharing every single thing. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, you're, you're sharing this because it, it's, it's fun and, you know, like other people would enjoy it, but you're also, you're also getting attention from it. And it's kind of like you're trying to draw your joy from something other than the experience that you're having and the people that you're with. I don't think that's what it is for me. I think it's more, um, I mean, I'm not on Snapchat. I don't know that I enjoy it as much as you do, but I, I think for me, it's that, you know, when we're doing family things together, that feels like a very private experience. And so when, when you're taking your video out, or your camera out and you're videoing it for Snapchat, it feels almost invasive. It and, yeah. and I I don't think it's that that I think you're you're trying to do it 
to derive joy from what other people think about our experience. I think it's, it's, it's really a thing like this is a special time for just our family. And now there are all these other people who are experiencing it with us. And so it it almost feels like a selfish thing for me that I'm just like, I don't, I don't really want to share my family with, or I don't, I don't want to share this experience with other people because it's my private experience, you know? Well, that's, I, I think, I think that we're saying the same thing. Oh, okay. the reason that it's special is because of the exclusivity of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is, this is something that only our family gets to experience together, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, we have moments like that throughout our week and mm-hmm. we have some other special things that we do together. And so, um, I guess, I guess when I say joy, what I really mean is value. It's almost like I'm taking some of the value away from the experience and, and mm-hmm. giving that away. So that's, that's why I want to be a little bit more picky about what I choose to share and when. Yeah. Um, I mean, you shared us running the other night. Why are you, you, if I feel like you're giving me a hard time. No, I'm not giving you a hard time. No. And I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to figure out too, you know, what I want that particular social media platform to be about. So, Mm -hmm. but, but for right now, it's, it's kind of a, it's a peek into our lives. And we talk, the thing is we talk about parenting and we talk about these practices that we're doing. We talk about working for ourselves when we're raising a family. And I never want people to have the impression that things are perfect and we have it all together. Because mm-hmm, we so don't. And, I, I, and so I feel like when I, when I get to show people what's going on and, and help them to have a little bit more of a real experience with us, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's encouraging because it, one, it says, oh, they're, you know, they don't have it all together. Like I'm, I, I can see Ben trying to talk and I can hear his kids like yelling in the background and stuff. <laughs> or when you ask them, did you have fun? No. No. <laughs> so, so that's, that's encouraging because then it's like, okay, if, if they can have that kind of daily experience yeah. and still be sharing these insights and working toward them, then maybe I can. Mm-hmm. do that with my family too. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I really want. Yeah, and I so, get that. So I'm still in the process of figuring out, figuring out exactly how I want to do that. Yeah. But anyways. All right. It was a good chat. Mm-hmm.